Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe Petting concludes his two-part message from the book of First Peter, chapter 2. So we come to him as a living stone, Jesus Christ. He was rejected indeed by men, but he was chosen by God. And he, Jesus Christ, is precious. You also, each one of us, as living stones, are being built up, chiseled away at, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's building us up. He calls us a royal priesthood. He's working on us. He's using us. Therefore, verse 6, it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. The scriptures say in uh, Psalm 118, in different places, it talks about Jesus being the chief cornerstone. He's precious. He's precious to us that believe, but to those that don't believe, he's a stone of stumbling. He's a rock of offense. Do you notice that? When you bring up the name Jesus, it's an offense. They stumble. They fall. They don't, they don't want to hear it. He's still rejected to this day, but to us, he's precious. So we, we get this picture that is him being the stone. I, I just want to add with this, you know, there's a tradition that tells us that when Solomon's temple was being constructed, I'm sure many of you know this, this tradition that when they were building the temple, they were constructing it. Everything was going great until at one point they realized that the cornerstone was missing. So they sent a message to the quarry says, you know, where's the, the cornerstone? You know, what happened? You know, and they looked through their records. They said, no, no, no. We sent that a long time ago. We sent it on such and such date. Look there. It's there. We know we sent it. And then finally, one of the, the builders, he realized, wait a second, there was a stone that was rejected. We didn't know where it went. We didn't see. It didn't fit anywhere. We couldn't figure out where it went. So we threw it, and the, the tradition says that it went in, they threw it into the Kidron Valley. And so they rejected it. But they rejected the chief cornerstone. And it's a picture of Jesus being rejected. He, he went to his own, but his own did not receive him. He was rejected. But here he's the foundational stone. So obviously, you know, as we look at this. He was rejected, and we all know that he was rejected, the chief cornerstone. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Don't you love the wording there? I love it. That you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you notice 
what he calls us. He, he's talking about those that, re, those that rejected Jesus, the, the chief cornerstone. You know, they're, they're, he's a stone of stumbling to them. He's a rock of offense to them. But you, as a believer, you're a chosen generation. God chose us. Before the foundations of the world, it tells us in Ephesians, Paul the apostle tells us, right? A royal priesthood where kings and priests. Don't you, does that baffle your mind when you hear that? That we're going to be kings and priests and, you know, in the millennium and all, we're going to rule and reign with him. Does that, I mean, I still, my mind, I can't understand that. Kings and priests. I, I'm happy just to get into heaven. I'm happy because, you know, thank you, Lord, I made it. Thank you, God. Oh, wretched man that I am. He delivered me. And we get rewards. We become kings and priests. But he saved us. It was by his grace that we're saved. Nothing that we did. And on top of it, he gives us rewards in heaven. I wonder sometimes, maybe that's why they lay the crowns down. It's like, it's Lord. We don't deserve these. What do you, you know, it's amazing. We're royal priesthood, even not just a priesthood, we're a, a royal priesthood. We're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of everything. How great an inheritance that'll be for us when we go to heaven. I don't think we can even fathom what that's going to be like. Our inheritance, going to heaven, a royal priesthood, a holy nation as believers, his own special people. If you're here today and you wonder as a believer, does God really love me? Well, you might want to look through these, these, this verse again and read it over and over. You're special. He calls us his own special, his own special people. So he chose us. We're royal priesthood. We're holy because his Holy Spirit lives in us. We're special to him that we might proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness. So we're not only to just be in the word and just desiring the pure milk of the word, but we're to praise him who called us out of darkness. And don't you love this? It doesn't just say that he called us out of darkness into his light. But look what it says into his marvelous light and it was marvelous light he's called us out of darkness I want to ask you a question for every person that's here has he called you out of darkness are you out of darkness do you know that you're out of darkness and if he's called you out of darkness that means he's called you into his marvelous light if that's not something to celebrate I don't know what is He's called me out of darkness. He's called me out of the dark pit. And he's brought me into his marvelous light. And it's something that we should daily celebrate, realizing, wow, I'm no longer in darkness. I'm no longer a, a child of disobedience. I no longer you know, am in the dark world that I used to be in. I'm in his marvelous light. And it's so important as we talk about the light and, and you know, being in the marvelous light to stay in the light, to stay in the light, meaning bring out those things that are dark in your life and bring them out into the light. Allow the Lord to manifest that and to expose that and bring it out. Stay in the light. 
I've shared this before quite a while ago, but you know, one of the, the I believe the, the thing that the Lord did in, in our, our marriage and bringing Kathleen and I together and all that was, that I believe was so wonderful that the Lord worked out is, you know, when we were engaged and I started thinking through, you know, telling her things that were in my past and, and stuff like that. I was thinking, wow, that would be ugly to even bring. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm forgiven. It's in, under the blood. And I, and I don't have to tell anybody. It's gone. It's in the, and I'm telling you just personally what happened to me. And then I started thinking through this and then I had a terrible past. I mean, I was terrible. And I started thinking of these, you know, different women I went out with and all the, the garbage and junk. And I, I pictured, I got a picture of some lady coming up to my wife and saying, I can tell you something you don't know about your husband. I bet you don't know this. And I, it crushed me. And I thought that would be terrible if, if someone would do that. If something had happened to me, if someone came up to me and says, hey, I can tell you something about your wife. I bet you don't know. And I believe the Lord used that for me to have a time. And I sat her down and I said, I want you to know the person that you're marrying. I know I'm forgiven. I know it's under the blood. I know that it's gone and God has forgiven me. But I want to expose this to you. And I don't want anyone to be able to come up to you and say, I know something about that man that you don't know. And it was a powerful thing. It was kind of ugly at first when we were talking about it, but it was a powerful thing that took place. And then she told me, and I said, get out of my house. No, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> so after a few years, no, 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 just joking, just joking. He's brought us into the, his marvelous light. And let me tell you, for us, I'm not putting a guilt trip on anybody else. I'm just telling you a testimony, what God did with my wife and I before we got married. And we brought everything up to the table and we said, this is my past life. This is what I've done. I know it's forgiven. God has forgiven me, but this is what's happened. And I want you to know this person. And we brought it into the light. And let me tell you, it was a powerful thing. And I believe what it did is it built a lot of trust between us where I look at her and think, wow, if she told me all that, she can tell me anything. And I believe it's very important as believers to stay in the light as he is in the light because it tells us then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son shall cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but to stay in the light, bring those things. I, I, I pray that every person here has somebody that they can confide in and bring stuff into the light and that there's no darkness in your life because Satan works in darkness. God is light. He's brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous, wonderful light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I want to, before I go, I do want to go back to that light thing, because what can happen, I believe, often, is the enemy comes in when you're in darkness and you're in sin, and he comes in and he lies to you and says, oh no, you can't tell anybody, and that's a lie. God is truth. It's good to expose that stuff. Back to verse 10. 
who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I believe he's talking to the Gentiles here, although it's written to Jew and Gentile believers, but he's saying you were not even a people before. The Jewish people, they were the people of God at one time. They were the chosen people, but now you are a people. Now, you know, you're, you're his people. You're people of God, and God has shown you mercy. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that God opened the door to the Gentiles in this way. I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful that we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. I am very thankful. And as I look at this, you know, before Jesus Christ came, it was, you know, salvation was of the Jews. Jesus Christ is Jewish and it came through that line, but it was a whole new thing. It was a new covenant and it, you didn't have to become Jewish. You didn't have to, you know, go through all the things that, the, you know, the, the keeping the law and all that. No, when Jesus Christ came, he came to save sinners, Jew and Gentile. And I'm so thankful for that. And he's, Peter's reminding them, you weren't a people at all, but now you're the people of God. So that's each of us that we're, they're Gentiles. We're a people now. Then he goes on verse 11 and he says, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. He's begging them. He says, we're pilgrims. We're not here long. We're just passing through. But he's giving them advice. And he says, one thing you need to stay away from is fleshly lusts. I believe mostly speaking about sexual sin, sexual immorality, but also lusting after things that are fleshly, that are not godly, that are things of the flesh. But do you notice the heavy words here, which war against the soul? I remember the first time reading that. I was like, wow. Fleshly lust, war against the soul. So think through this with me. The soul, what does it encompass? Your personality, your emotions, your will, your thoughts. So these type of sins, they, they war. There's like a battle that goes on in your emotions. There's a, a battle that goes on there, you know, inside of you when you, you fall to this type of sin. There's a battle. That's a huge thing. And again, I remember reading this for the first time. I thought, Wow. What a visual. There's like a war that goes on when you fall to this stuff. There's a battle that takes place. And you're saying, don't go there. I beg you, don't go there. Because it's going to battle. It's not going to so much hurt the people around you, which it will. But it's going to hurt you. And that's another area, you know, that <clears throat> sexual sins... Know the, how it wars against the soul to, to stay in the light with that, to go turn away from that. So important. But then having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. The word Gentiles here is not talking about, you know, it's, it's a word speaking of the unbelieving world, the, those that aren't believers. So have your conduct honorable. Do good in front of them. Therefore, submit yourself. Verse 13. To every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to kings as supreme or to governors, as to those 
who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance. We're to obey the laws of the land. We're to, you know, when the speed limit says 45, we're to obey that. Whatever laws are there, as long as they don't come against the word, we know that. We're, not, we're to submit to that. We're to, you know, obey You notice every ordinance. Submit yourself to every ordinance for the Lord's sake. If, again, you know, you think of the book of Acts. If the government tells us to do things that are against the Bible, we don't submit to it. But everything else we're supposed to submit to it. Taxes, paying our taxes and doing, you know, things that we don't want to do. Whether you're to, you know, do those things, you're to submit to those ordinances that are put forth Just a reminder, we know that. Verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Our conduct, I believe, speaks volumes. Out in the world, in your workplace, people are watching. I don't even think we know how much people are watching. People are paying attention. And I believe all around us, you know, in this, in this complex here, there are different relationships we have with different people. People are, you know, watching us, thinking, well, what are these Christians like? And they should see people that are, you know, do, for the most part, doing good, obeying the law, doing what's right, doing, you know, and that's what they're supposed to see. I believe it, it's a terrible witness when you, you have people out there in the world and they say, oh, and then, you know, Sometimes the, the, the ones that talk the most about Jesus, I love Jesus, I love, oh, yeah, I'm this, I'm that, I'm born again, I'm this, I'm that. And then they live such a terrible life in front of their neighbors, in front of people. They have an attitude. They've got you know, problems. They're fighting. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're all these crazy things that they're doing. And it, they're, they're, their life is saying that they're not changed. They're not a believer. And people are watching that. I think it, it's a terrible witness. But, but we can put to silence the, the people around us just by our, our conduct. I remember in the corporate world, I, this guy that worked for us when I, way back, many years ago, and I was his boss, and we would brag about things we did on the weekend and this and that, and, and he would challenge us every time. He'd say, do you mind not talking like that? And he stood out like a sore thumb. And we laughed at him. You're like, oh, here it goes again. You know, like, and then he's, you know, he said something like, I remember one time he says, well, that wasn't very enlightening. I'm like, it wasn't enlightening. What is he talking about? Enlightening, you know? But his conduct and watching this man, he stood out. He was different than all of us. We were the foolish ones. And we are to stick out. We are to, to shine. We are to be those that, you know, the people that are foolish, they're, they, and they see our conduct. They're, they're to see somebody different. They're, they're the ones that are ignorant. And it, it puts to silence their ignorance when they see our good conduct. Lord, help us. Verse 16, as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. We're free. I love just even reading that. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. We are free. We're not under laws. We're not under rules. We're not under, if you have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, there's such freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And there's such wonderful freedom. And and he's just saying, you know what? 
you've been set free, but don't use that freedom to sin. As a, you know, don't use it you know, against the things of God. Use it you know, for the kingdom of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor all people. Those are heavy words. Honor all people. You know, look, treat people, you know, esteem them as we're told better than yourself. Love the brotherhood, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Fear God. Honor the king. So again, don't lose the picture. He's talking to the persecuted ones that are scattered. And he's saying, you're going to go under heavy persecution. You're going to probably be put before those in government, but honor them. Do good to them. If they beat you, that's, you know, do good to them. Don't repay them evil with evil, but evil with good. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Servants, be submissive. We know that to your masters. But did you notice not just to the good bosses, but also to the harsh we don't like that, do we? When the, the boss is harsh and mean, we're like, you know, I don't have to listen to that. But it says, no, no, you submit even to those that are harsh. The gentle one's easy. Check it out what it goes on to say. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So what credit? You're, you get in trouble, you steal, you mess up, and you get beaten as a servant back then. You know, you're saying, What's, what good is that? That's not commendable. That's, you know, you, you did wrong and you were beaten, so there's nothing commendable about that. But if you're beaten, if you're, you know, beat up because of doing good, wow, God is, you know, that's very commendable. God loves that. And I just think about that. You know, if we could be those type of people out in the world, when, when people come against us and keep, I know for me, my flesh, sometimes when, you know, someone cuts me off or someone, you know, cusses at me or someone does something, I'm, I'm just doing good. I'm doing nothing. What are you talking about? You know, what are you looking You know, and sometimes I can get in my flesh and that's not, you know, that's not what we're supposed to do. And it's so awesome if you can stay in the spirit when those are in the flesh and you respond, even if they're mean, they're cruel, they do things to you and you just respond in the spirit and you do good to them. Verse 21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him, to God, who judges righteously. So our example, Jesus Christ, he was reviled. He suffered. He didn't threaten back. He didn't bite back. He didn't revile back. He submitted himself God, who himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, talking about the cross, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes 
you were healed. So not only did he die on the cross for our sins, but the stripes that he bore upon his back when they beat him and scourged him and pulled the flesh off of his back and his body. He bore those stripes that we might be healed. And last verse. For you were like sheep going astray, but having now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The throne of mercy It's the sound of our singing praise It's the sound of our singing praise You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise.